Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Bible Thumper Podcast, where somebody's got to say it. My name is Patrick Hayes, your regular host, and with me this evening is Robert Ballard, who is a Libertarian Party candidate for Mesa County Clerk and Recorder. Robert, did I get that correct? That's correct, yeah. Okay, and how are you doing this evening? I'm doing well. Good. So I wanted to kind of just start off by telling the audience what we're going to get into in a minute, which is the question, how much Christianity should be in the government? And I think when I when I asked a bunch of my friends that over the coming months, I got a wide variety of answers. And I don't think a lot of people have really thought that through and yeah. the ramifications of what their beliefs would end up with. So we're going to get into that. But I want to start off. Could you tell everybody at home, because there are some folks where tonight's podcast might be their very first introduction to libertarianism. So I don't need you to get into the foundation of the Federal Reserve and monetary theory. And, okay, you don't need to start with all of it. But can you give us a, a brief, you know, give us the two minute explanation to someone that's brand new that doesn't know anything about libertarianism? You know, what should we know? So the libertarian movement is basically uh, a movement towards liberty, right? Mm -hmm. You know, um, and that's the liberty part of libertarianism. Um, you know, people like Thomas Jefferson, John Locke, even people like Aristotle are all inspirations of the libertarianism movement. And the general idea is that we should be um, suspicious of people in power, suspicious of governments um, that are too large for their own good. Um, and, and, Generally, we also believe in a very limited role of government, um, mm -hmm. and, and particularly me as a libertarian, I believe that that role of government is to protect our rights as individuals. Okay, so what makes a libertarian different from a Republican? Um, action, usually. Uh, you know, so uh, I've seen a lot of Republicans say the right things, sure. and um, but when it comes to the reality on the ground, mm -hmm. they usually have their cave point, right? So um, it's either in spending, it's like, well, you know, everyone wants this, you know, big, um, big government center, you know, that isn't really protecting our rights, but it's giving us free stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, we're going to go ahead and take your money and, and provide this. Mm -hmm. um, that's where the sacrifices are coming in is they're, they're willing to sacrifice some of those, those principles of limited government um, and provide us more than we need, which gives the government more power than they're supposed to have. Hey, we have to suspend the rules of the free market in order to save the free market. You right. Remember that one? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, I threw up in my mouth when I heard that. I remember watching the television and I heard that live and I looked at, I turned to my wife and I was like, did he just, did he just say that? Like, yeah. it, I, I couldn't believe my ears. So, yeah. okay. So um, now you are running for Mesa County clerk and recorder on the Libertarian Party. Do we call it a ticket? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. So tell us about uh, what that position does and what you are hoping to accomplish. Yeah. So there's uh, five basic departments of the clerk and recorder's office. Um, there's the clerk to the board, which mm -hmm. basically is just recording all of the meetings uh, throughout the county, county commissioner meetings, land use meetings, water use meetings, all those. Um, we can uh, uh, record all of that, put it into documents, and then it, it's um, all recorded as permanent record. Uh, the second one is your records. So when you get married, when you um, buy a deed, those are all recorded at the, the clerk and recorder's office as well. 
Um, we also have, we're, we're in charge of certain licensing. So that's like liquor licensing, marijuana licensing, um, and certain other licensing that goes with um, small businesses. And then um, the most complicated one, the most uh, taxing uh, on most people is the motor vehicles. So when you go and register your vehicle and you wait 45 minutes in line and then you get there and 45 minutes, yeah, I'm well, sorry. <laughs> and then they don't have the records, right? Mm -hmm. that, so that's, that's, um, uh, an efficiency or management of the the clerk and recorder's office. And then a lot of times, arguably, what a lot of people say is the most important um, office is the elections office because, well, that's the foundation of a democracy is your elections. And that is something that the clerk and recorder's office is in charge of uh, implementing at the county level. Okay, you said um, licensing. Let me ask you this. Who decides what requires a license and what does not as far as business goes? Your state. Okay, so you guys <laughs> do the work, but you guys don't you guys implement the policy. Yeah. You don't initiate the policy. Yeah. From my understanding, also, I think uh, certain counties can limit the number of liquor licenses or marijuana licenses that mm -hmm. are allowed in a county. Um, as far as that's concerned, I I've always seen when you put limits on those types of licenses, mm -hmm. that gives big box stores more of an opportunity to succeed in your county and fewer opportunities for small businesses to succeed. Mm. Let me ask you this. So are you going to have to hire people to run those different departments? It, so there there are already people Currently. hired there, right? Sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that is something that because it is directed by the state constitution to mm -hmm. that I have to provide those things. Yeah, we are going to have to hire those people um, to provide those services. So I know when the president of the United States gets elected, uh, usually everybody in the former uh, cabinet resigns mm -hmm. and offers a resignation letter as a courtesy. Yeah. Is anything like that happen or does everyone just expect to keep their job? So that does happen from time to time, especially if it's a really controversial clerk. Uh -huh. um, uh, like if it's not a very well liked clerk or mm -hmm. they sat there just bad mouthing all, all, all the processes. Oh, of okay, the, sure. So then when they get they elected, counting their days until they're fired. Yes. Or, or they just quit, right? <laughs> okay. Cause they don't want to work with somebody that just sat there bad mouthing them all over, yep. you know, podcast, public radio sure. and everything. Yep. So um, yeah, you see a lot of turnover right at first. Mm -hmm. um, I'm hoping not to see that because sure. you know, the, the things that we have to fix in the, the office are very, you know, minute things, processing uh, things. Uh, uh, things that make it more efficient, but there's nothing really wrong um, with most of the people that I've met anyway. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've been working in there for going on about a year now trying to get to know that team. Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, are there any high paying positions that need to be filled? Would you fill those with any, you know, I don't know, public, uh, local, you know, personality of a podcast are you or, looking for a job Is that I, don't know. I mean <laughs> government work right you don't have to do much do you right have to show up do you get a good pension anything beats you know yeah, podcasting the the one thing that i know has to be filled right away is the deputy clerk um and oh. that's that's going to be you know, your assistant right essentially okay. or you know your backup you know yeah. and, and that's going to be important for me because sure. i i serve my country and i'm still proudly serving my country and i yeah. do know that there are going to be times when i have to leave yep. and um whoever the deputy clerk is going to be has to be competent yeah obviously. You know? so um you know that's that's somebody that's going to have to have that that same level of management that same level of leadership and and a certain background in um running an office like that sure okay so um is there anything you are 
hoping to change or implement or fix or make better when you get in there? Anything on your list? What's on the chopping block? You know, like I, I've always known what I would run on if I was running for president. It right. never happened, but it's the fun conversation to have on your couch when you're listening to Paul. Well, dad, what would you do? You know? So, I mean, is there anything that you're currently looking at or you think needs to be remedied in some way? Well, the, the biggest thing that needs to be corrected or fixed or mm -hmm. re, reoriented right now is we have a lot of hurt and a lot of divide in our county over mm -hmm. the controversy that's happened in the past you know, couple of years. Uh -huh. And you know, it doesn't really matter on which side you're on. What we need to be able to do is trust our election system moving into um, <laughs> moving we into approval, Robert. Right. The studio audience agrees. We, we need to trust that that system moving into 2023. We need to trust it moving into 2024. But there's also a lot of people that are concerned that, um, uh, you know, there's county clerks that are able to act outside of their authority and mm -hmm. undermine the system. So my biggest thing is we're trying to heal this community, heal this uh, this county um, and, and bring us back together again, as it should be. We, we've let national party politics uh, divide us. And, and I think it's time for a change there. Because really, no matter no matter where you stand on the political spectrum. You want a free and fair election. Yes. Regardless of what party you're in, if you're a Democrat, yeah. um, you need to trust it. If you're a Republican, you need to trust it. You know, so it needs to be fair for everyone and everyone needs to be able to trust it. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think that's that's where I've got that upper hand is, um, you know, I'm the third party. I'm not beholden to any major party politics. Um, I'm not beholden to any major party, you know. A narrative and and what my main focus on is the people of Mesa County, not um, my party. Has Mesa County had a libertarian candidate in any position? Fully elected? No. So you'll you would be groundbreaking. Uh, yes, not I, I. I might be wrong on this one, but mm -hmm. I do believe also I would be the first partisan uh, libertarian in recent um, history to be elected, even at the county level. I think. How long has it been since we've had a libertarian elected? I don't know. Uh, I really don't. I know it's it's been a minute, right? And then, mm -hmm. and again, I could be wrong. Sure, um, I know that we've got. Uh, yeah, we yeah. would. I know that we've got city councilmen. I know mm -hmm. we've got people on different boards uh, throughout the state. Um, but uh, it's been a while since someone who is a libertarian actually got elected um, as a libertarian. Okay. Do you think the L next to your name is going to help you or hurt you? And is that everywhere in the country, or does it depend on? you know, the region. Yeah. So that's the question of the day, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so I would say nationwide, um, if, if this was to come down to the entire country, I, yeah. I, I don't think it would, it would help me at all. In fact, mm -hmm. I, I think most people would look at it and be like, yeah, this election is too important, regardless of what election it is. They would always say this election is too important. We got to vote for either an R or a D. Yeah. Um, well, but we both know that no third party candidate in America's history has ever done meaningful change going all the way back to say Abraham Lincoln, know, Abraham Lincoln <laughs> right. for example. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. And, um, for those of you that comment on my YouTube channel who obviously just missed the joke, Abraham Lincoln, the first Republican for president, that was a third party candidate at the time. Right. Just wanted to fill everyone in. Go yeah. Ahead. And and uh, so anyway, 
Um, now here at the local level, I think it's actually going to help a little bit because, um, you know, there's a lot of Republicans that have been perturbed by their own local county um, party, mm -hmm. either because they were too extreme or not extreme enough. Um, and then also, you know, people that lean more to the left, they're looking for somebody that can win the election. Um, that's not a Republican. And they, they know that Democrats don't really have a chance here in the county. Mm -hmm. So surprisingly enough, um, Voting Democrat is a, a a losted vote or a wasted vote, excuse me, in um, Mesa County. In Mesa County mm -hmm. um, and a third party uh, vote is actually a, a competitive vote. So Wow. Okay. So it gives some of the Democrats someone to vote for and yeah. you'll pull away votes from some Republicans. And for any Republican who is listening, if you are a party member, if you are involved in Republican politics, please know that you lost my vote. It will probably never come back. I couldn't imagine it ever coming back, but you have failed and you have failed so badly for so many years that I currently consider you a joke and I am putting all of my energy into convincing everybody that I know on planet earth that you need to be a libertarian. So yeah. uh, you not only lost someone, you lost a very outspoken, opinionated person who's going to make it their life's mission to destroy the Republican Party. Well, and, you know, not too long ago, I was a registered Republican as well. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, just that, you know, they, they, they failed on so many accounts to meet the principles that I was trying to achieve. Now, I've always considered myself a libertarian, as do many Republicans. Mm -hmm. um, but I had the sentiment that many of the, those Republicans have, and that is that the Libertarian Party just doesn't have the traction to do the things that we need to get done. Mm -hmm. And I think that's still true. Still a fear. Still fear. And, mm -hmm. um, and, but here at the county level, you know, I'm not asking people to change their vote at the national level. I know you're going to vote for your Bidens and your sure. Trumps. I got it. Mm -hmm. um, but here at the local level, we can do something different. And I plan on showing the world that this is how libertarians are going to govern. Mm -hmm. I think it's a great idea that we start at the local level. And that's where we make a change where it's realistic to get you know, elected. And I'm not saying that the libertarians should not put forth a strong candidate for president. Haven't seen one in a little bit. Yeah. Okay, but yeah. I would. I think that is a good idea, but I think it would be very important to put one in at a local level where you can make a change. If you can, if you could imagine in Mesa County, you know, Colorado, the idea that um, CMU, right, Colorado Mesa University, does not allow uh, concealed carry on their campus is absolutely criminal. Out of all the places in Colorado, how on earth does CMU not allow that? And for me, the idea is on the local level, we could affect a change that could actually make someplace safer, help something out, you know, and that would be a very big win for freedom, um, even, even if it doesn't affect the national stage. Yeah. So I think getting libertarians elected locally to start where you can make a difference in my life is a great place to, to begin. You, you brought up a good point. So I'm a concealed carry instructor and, mm -hmm. um, I, I, I guess I wasn't really aware that there was a special rule there. In fact, I had thought before, so this is something either after the podcast or whatever, mm -hmm. we're going to have to look up because, yeah. um, I thought, uh, since statewide that, uh, state run public run college campuses you could conceal carry on there were certain places that you couldn't mm -hmm. and no jurisdiction was allowed to uh, infringe on your concealed carry permit i hope i'm wrong 
Yeah. So but, we'll have to look that up because yeah. I, I, I need to know that obviously for my classes. So no, yeah. it, it, it's a good one. <laughs> and I'm definitely, you know, I'm part of a few Facebook groups for, you know, concealed carry on campus, mm -hmm. which is a national movement. And uh, yeah, now you got me second guessing whether I'm right or wrong about, you know, about I, CMU. I've been I've been called out in the middle of classes all the time. Sure. And, you know, I quit. I quit putting my heels Debating, in the stand. Yeah, right. Because like, like sometimes like, I'm just right, wrong. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. Let's yeah. let's check it out. OK. All right. So let's change gears here. We're about 25 percent of the way into our time. Uh, I wanted to talk to everybody about how much Christianity should be in government. Now, the reason I wanted to bring that up is because the name of the podcast is Bible Thumper, and mostly we're just going to have Christians listening here. And I've talked to a lot of folks, and the answers that I've gotten have been surprising and even shocking to me. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to give the perspective that you have and, and that I have and um, kind of give people a different idea. So do you want, do you have any questions for me? Any things you want to start out with as far as points you want to bring up, or do you want me to jump in? Well, with I'll start ideas? off with just like, so all the Give viewers uh, yeah. know, mm -hmm. you know, I, I'm a very devout Christian. My mm -hmm. family and I, to, in fact, today we just celebrated Shabbat. We celebrate mm -hmm. our Shabbat on Sunday, just it's a little more culturally appropriate. Mm -hmm. um, and and what that means is Saturday night when the sun goes down, we put our phones away, we put our electronics away, and we spend the next 24 hours focusing on family and God, mm -hmm. right? So, um, and, and, you know, when I was a kid, I grew up as a pastor's kid as well. My dad was a Methodist minister. Huh. Um, and so I've been through that whole side of the church. I also fell out of the church for a little while as well, I, where I, I just kind of had a grudge on my shoulder about the church. And then I came back. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just so that way your listeners understand what perspective I'm coming at it from. Um, that and kind of gives a background. Yeah. And honestly, you know, when you and I first met at a libertarian function, it was a relief because I really did expect to be the only Christian at the table. <laughs> uh, it was, you know, it was nice to hear that. I wanted you on this podcast regardless, but it does fit in a little bit better because you at least have a background and knowledge and understanding of both sides, the yeah. idea of government and libertarianism and freedom, and also the idea of church and the Bible. Yeah. So, okay. So here is kind of what I came up with and, and at any point, stop me, jump in, tell me I'm wrong. We can, you know, hash out, hash out, whatever. One of the ideas I wanted to bring up was that when the constitution was written, there were two groups of Americans. There were those who wanted the new instrument of government to give faith a larger role, and there were those who feared that it would do so. So the first question is why? Okay, Some wanted a larger role of faith in the government because they recognized the benefits of a code of morals in any society. Okay, so here's my question for you. What's the other side of that coin? What's the problem with that? Well, first off, I'll talk about what I agree with, right? Go, go for it. Um, so, uh, you know, our founding fathers mentioned several times that um, the government that they were creating was a government for, um, you know, well-moralled people, right? Yes. They, at the, and, and they said specifically for a, a people of, and I can't remember how they uh, said it, but I it was- I thought it was a moral and religious. They moral and religious, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, that and, it wasn't going to work without- 
a moral and religious people. Right, because either one. Because the idea, right, was that they were going to implement a government that said we are going to protect your rights as mm -hmm. individuals and we're going to give you some general guidelines, a little bit more than than what even I would necessarily say was necessary. Mm -hmm. And then um you're free as an individual. That that's freedom, right? Um the reason why I don't uh, why I think the founders chose the right path in in keeping government out of the government or keeping keeping <laughs> government out of religion, mm -hmm. excuse me, um, uh, is because me personally, as a, a man of faith, I've been exploring my faith. And I, I, I would say I'm just barely scratching the surface mm -hmm. over the past two years, three years, really deep diving, reading the Bible, learning what I actually believe as a Christian and, and what life I want to follow. Um, uh, this is something that as an individual, you need to do in order to establish your moral code to live by. And if I were to just say, hey, nope, you're going to have to be a Christian. You mm -hmm. have to follow these certain Christian codes. You're going to resent it. And you're going to question like, why? Why do I have to follow your religion? What What's the benefit of it? And you're instead of finding God and finding righteousness, you're going to reject it. And so that's why, well, that's the main reason why I'm against uh, um, uh, a government-sponsored religion. And what, what I had down here was the idea that you you cannot legislate morality. Yeah. So no amount of laws can make a people moral. One is moral because of their beliefs, which results in a change of behavior. But those things cannot be forced upon you with laws. Yeah. Okay. And trying to do so usually has the opposite effect. And there are countries in the world where they have completely locked it down. You know, you have the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. You're not allowed to br bring a Bible onto Saudi Arabian soil. If you are Jewish, you're not allowed to step foot on Saudi Arabian soil. If you have a stamp from Israel in your passport, Oh they, yeah, they will likely reject you until you got to get back on the plane and leave. That's right. Yeah, I, I think to add to that, you know, I uh, I think I showed you these books. So mm -hmm. I've got a couple books here. I've got the Anti-Federalist Papers, the Federalist Papers. Mm -hmm. um, I've got a, a, the the works of the the founding documents, and then I've also got my Bible here. Um, but one thing while I was preparing for this uh, podcast was, um, you know, I noted that. Um, one of the recommended amendments, proposed amendments to the Constitution when they first drafted it um, uh, was that religion or the duty which we owe our creator and the manner of discharging it can be directed only by reason and conviction, not by force or violence. And therefore, all men have an equal, natural and unalienable right to the free exercise of religion according to the dictates of conscience and that no particular religious sect or society ought to be favored or established by law or preference to others. Right. So right there, you know, you're seeing that exactly what you're talking about is that you know, you cannot, um, you, you cannot force, um, it, it, the, the following moral law, moral code is only done through reason and conviction. Mm -hmm. Right. And if someone were to, to legislate morality from, um, from, you know, the law, they're going to reject it because any legislation with it comes force. Exactly. 
And the fact is you cannot force people to be good. People mm -hmm. are going to obey God because they love God and they have a desire to, not because the government forces them to. Let's just take the front page of any newspaper in any major city and let's see how well forcing people to obey laws is working. Yeah. Okay. It, you know. So do you, do you have teenagers? Yeah, okay. Yeah, so, several. I mean, you know what it's like to try and, and implement rules that are extremely hard to follow. They're going to mm -hmm. break them. Right. And, and, um, once they start breaking them now here, you know, when you're parenting your kids, that's your job, right? Sure. You're, it's, it's a moral teaching point, right? You're supposed to say, Hey, do you know why I have this rule for you? Mm -hmm. It's so that way you can live better as a Christian. We do that all the time, right? You know, like, it's like, okay, well, you know, why is X, Y, and Z not allowed according to the Bible? And mm -hmm. you, you say, it's after sit, you have to sit there and think about why, um, God would want you to live that life. And then you can really actually explore your faith in that way. And like, Oh, because God wants me to live this life that he created for me. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and live in righteousness. Um, uh, however, if I were to force that on you and you don't believe that in your heart and you're not going to explore that faith, you're just going to reject it. And now all of a sudden we're having to do what they do in, in, um, some of these Arab worlds where you're physically doing capital punishment and, yeah. and, um, corporal punishment to enforce your religion. And then, then we lose sight of righteousness. Yeah. You know? The whole point is, uh, uh, again, the, the goal is in Christianity is to improve the relationship between yeah. God and the Christian. And for the lost, we want to introduce them to Jesus and the Bible. We want to see them put their trust and faith in him. We want to see them saved and we want to see them have a desire to grow and using an, um, an instrument of force to try to get them closer to God. It, it just doesn't work now. Right. So uh, going back to basically the original question is, um, you know, how much do I and how much influence should the government have in in enforcing religion? Now, wait, the first or, question was how much Christianity yes. should be in the government? Because we're going to answer that question, too. OK, that's coming up. Next. So how much Christianity should be in government uh -huh. um, when it comes to uh, your beliefs as an individual, like a legislature or something or a legislator or something like that, you acting according to your conscience in what you believe your role, the role of government, the difference between um, man's law mm -hmm. and God's moral law. Wait, there's a difference. There's a huge difference. Okay. Right? Um, you know, as a legislator or somebody that's making the laws, understanding that difference and, and only applying what needs to be applied in man's law to protect people's rights. Mm -hmm. So that way they can health in a, in a healthy society, healthy structure, pursue God's moral law. Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's the, the influence of Christianity and government. And one of the jobs of government is to protect the rights of people yes. to not pursue God. Yeah. Yep. That has to be, because here's the problem. As soon as we say that the job of government is to force people to pursue God, then it's only a matter of time before another group gets in there and exactly. forces you to pursue their God. Yep. The that, instant you give them power, you're, you're the you person you hate the most in life is going to use it against you. Yeah. Okay, so now if we go to the other side, uh, there's a group that feared a government having faith be a larger role when they were forming the Constitution. There was that group. They were concerned that, you know, things were going to be implemented that was going to force a certain religion Um even some that were Christian had that concern. Now, mm -hmm. my question for you would be, why were they concerned? What was what was their what was their big issue? Well, some of those things that you talked about, um, you know, 
about um, you know the, some of the, the the laws that are passed in Saudi Arabia and, and those they seem extreme to us because they they are extreme. But I would say if I were to tell you all the laws, the moral code that I live by, mm-hmm. a lot of people would say that's that's pretty extreme. Um, you know, and yeah. You know, so for example, you know, I've I've all but gotten rid of pornography out of my life, right? Mm-hmm. Because I think it's a a a something that is a crime to my wife, mm-hmm. and, and and it's a crime to my mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, but however, that is something that I can't process in my mind to say why you should be disallowed from doing it. You as a Christian probably shouldn't, mm-hmm. right? But um, you know, and we can have a philosophical discussion on why. Mm-hmm. But if I were to go out there and say that we're going to ban this, mm-hmm. um. You know, not everyone's going to agree with it, and again, they're going to reject that, and they're going to say, "Well, everything that you're you're just trying to push your religion on us," and I just don't want to I want to believe in it. Um, I also, I think the the founders were afraid of, um, well, like you said, you know, another religion coming in, and um, that was completely the antithesis of mm-hmm. the the West foundation, um, taking over and then implementing their code, and and eliminating our rights to believe and pursue happiness in our own way. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I want to give everybody an idea that I think most people do not consider or think of. So for you and I, if we were to look at the history of less than a hundred years ago, what would be included in that? And if we went extend that out to 150 years ago, so <clears throat> less than a hundred years ago, we saw World War II. Okay. Um, let's see, it's 2022. So just over a uh, hundred years ago, we had World War One in there. Mm-hmm. And if we went back 150 years ago, now I, I just lost the dates. When was the Civil War? 18. Yeah, I know. 1860 something. Okay. I think. So if we are looking at a time span of 150 years, and let's face it, we talk about the civil war and the lessons we've learned from it pretty regularly. Yeah. Right. Okay. How often do you talk to anyone about the Spanish American war or the, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. The French and Indian war. Or, yeah. Okay. So these things are a little bit further away and it's like, yeah, I really couldn't tell you much about it in 1776 and the lead up to the Declaration of Independence, you have to remember that only 150 years ago, we had <clears throat> from their ancestors in Europe, we had King Henry VIII killing dozens of Catholics and Protestants and mm-hmm. Anabaptists because they disagreed with them. We had his daughter, uh, the Catholic Queen Mary I of England, killing hundreds of religious dissenters who were burned at the stake. We have Mary's sister, Elizabeth I, killed hundreds of Catholics. Over in Switzerland, John Calvin was judge, jury, and executioner of a heretic who was burned at the stake. Uh, Martin Luther persecuted and killed Anabaptists that disagreed with his doctrine. They came from a place where within the last 100 to 150 years, they saw, now, and and I'll give you one more, Galileo was almost killed for publicly speaking out against church doctrine. Now, all of those things that I just listed, Mm -hmm. what do all those stories have in common? There was, the government had the power 
to enforce and persuade religion. You got it. And the government was in charge and had the force to implement the rules of the religion. And when people disobeyed them, they literally tied them up to a pile of wood and burnt them in the town square. That's what the government was doing. Less, so... In 1776, you go back less than 100 years, the same amount of time where you and I are thinking about World War II veterans, they had people that lived through and saw it happen. Yeah, yep, exactly. And, uh, you know, and, and what we saw there, right, what, what, what they were afraid of was people using the religion that they believed in and they had mm -hmm. full faith in, not, not something that like, oh, well, we, we hate this religion that, yeah. that took over. No, this is something that they still currently believed in and mm -hmm. had full faith in um, that had been used and wielded against their own people. Yep. And that's actually something that this is probably going to get some shots fired and you're going to get you know blown Go up a little it. bit, right? It's okay. Um, this is something that in our own political current climate, mm -hmm. people are using our religion against us, yeah. right? So, you know, uh, one that most people will agree with is Joe Biden going out and saying that he's a devout Catholic, sure. but also espousing to values that are adamantly completely anti-catholic yeah, right. across the board sure. but you know we see the same thing on the republican side mm -hmm. where you'll see the very first thing a republican will do is get up there and be like <laughs> i'm a christian oh yeah like, and 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 they 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 hear it from cheers or they'll like mm -hmm. you'll hear a republican sit there and do this huge diatribe about how they believe in the bible and they'll quote verses and all that stuff that makes it you know fits into their speech real nice mm -hmm. um and then you find out you know later on that they had demons that were not not just like demons that we all deal with right yeah. but demons that basically make it very clear that they were not in fact christian they were mm -hmm. using our faith in order to win power absolutely and and that's that's something that we got to be careful of and, and again it's one of those same things that if we start letting government have more of an influence in our our, our religion mm -hmm. they're going to start limiting what we can believe in mm -hmm. um they're going to use our own faith against us they're going to use um you know imagine if if uh they could have wielded faith in order to enforce covid Oh yeah, right. Uh, I mean, so those types of things are are what we have to be careful of. And and what you're talking about, 150 years ago, you know, uh, or 150 years prior to the founding of the country, yeah, that's they saw a, it. They saw it in person. It, yeah, they had relatives that lived through it, so they saw the horrors and they realized we can never allow the government to be in charge of any religion. Mm -hmm. We can never allow any religion to be in charge of this government. Yeah. If we do, it's only a matter of time before bad people get in there and holy cow, just wait until you see the atrocities that are going to show exactly. up. Exactly. So, and this is a little bit of a rabbit trail and you brought up COVID and I think it it's very apt, uh, if COVID in the last two years did not bring Republicans over to the Libertarian Party, I don't know what they're waiting for. People need to wake up. It is insane to me that uh, people did not get fed up with uh, the Republican Party across the board. So the idea is religion and science must com be completely independent of government interference and control. And what's going on is that the government is trying to get involved with both. So mm -hmm. the government came in and they shut down churches and the government came in and they um, started uh, telling doctors, you're not allowed to say this. You have to say that. Right. And both of those things are absolutely insane to me. 
that they would go on. But that's exactly what we experienced over the last two years. And we can see that the result was horrible. As soon as the government gets involved in religion or science, then those things become politicized and they become perverted yep. and they're used against people. And unfortunately, it makes it so that religion cannot be used for what it's supposed to be used for and science cannot accomplish what it's supposed to be used right. for. And they both became political tools. And I hate to say this, but I'm going to. Uh, I don't believe any doctor that I see on TV anymore. Oh, yeah. I've been lied to by so many of them so many times over the last couple of years that for me, it's like and, and I was telling people this because, you know, I. I took a hard line as far as COVID. I was right. like, I'm not wearing a mask. I'm not doing the distancing. I'm not doing anything. I don't care who you are. I don't care the business. I don't care anything. You can call the police and have me kicked out. I am done with this. I am sick of all of you. And it was not a very, <clears throat> you know, I'm not even going to say it. it. It wasn't a very um, helpful, accommodating, you know, um, attitude, but I didn't care. I, and when people would confront me on it, I was like, look, I've been lied to by politicians, by doctors, by scientists for so long that this was my, this was my feeling. You guys lost this one. Yeah. It's over. Nobody believes you. No one's going to believe you. It doesn't matter what you say when we've been lied to this many times, forget it try to build the trust back and maybe we'll believe you on the next one. But as far as this one goes, I've had enough. I, I, I really like the, the fact that you compare science to religion because mm -hmm. uh, let, let's take, let's take COVID same thing, mm -hmm. a disease going rampant, but instead of us taking our direction from science um, and, and these science, uh, these basically these government propped up science institutions, mm -hmm. um, we, we took all of our direction from government propped up, Religious institutions. Sure. Right? Okay. So immediately people start dying. People start getting really sick um, and they start blaming it on, you know, well, you're just not faithful enough. You need to go to church more. In fact, we're going to make everyone go to church mm -hmm. and we're going to make people go to church not only Sunday, but we're going to make them go on Wednesday. Well, mm -hmm. we know how COVID spreads, right? Sure. So that would have made things way worse. Um, you know, and, and it, you know, that same concept, right, of us just blindly following a, a, I don't want to call science a theocracy, right? Sure. But just blindly following, you know, a, a system that's designed to educate us, educate the population, mm -hmm. um, and and using it as a um, or using the government to wield that education and and whap people over the head with it is dangerous. And that's exactly what we saw is is science could have been our friend, mm -hmm. right? It could have been, you know, it, it could have said, hey, listen, this this virus is too small. Um, you know, it can be good at maybe stopping some droplets here and there, which might be might might help. Sure. Um, but it's not going to protect you. You'd need an N95 mask in order to do that. And then even at that, you're going to get it on your hands and everything. Yeah. It's just, it's not feasible, right? Um, you know, and then said, you know, this might be our recommendation. This is what, you know, you could do. You can make sure that grandma stays home and Make sure that she gets the stuff that, that she needs. And if you've been around anybody that's been infected, make sure that you don't go around grandma, right? Yeah. Um, you know, we could have been educated by it. Same way that we should be getting educated by faith, mm -hmm. right? And 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 that should be everyone, right? We should be um, learning and growing in faith. And then, you know, on the education side, we need to be learning and growing in our education with science, math, and, and everything else, right? So that's – and again, when it comes to government, you know, 
that's why the constitution exists. That's why it's so limited. And that's why it's so important to put the shackles mm -hmm. on government. So that way it can't um, be wielded by whatever institution, science or religious um, to violate people's rights. Yeah. As soon as the government gets involved with one of those institutions that it is clearly supposed to stay out of, it politicizes it mm -hmm. it perverts it. And then we lose our trust in that institution. Yeah. It never ever helps. Let's just face it. The federal government is a dumpster fire. Any, any centralized power like that, that large yep. in charge of 380 million people mm -hmm. and a ge and ge uh, geography that covers, you know, uh, man, like what a 16th of the world or yeah. whatever it's going to be. I mean, that's, that's a giant power. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be corrupt. It's going to be a dumpster fire. Okay. So let's talk, uh, let's get into this. So I wanted to go, cause here is, one of the sticking points that I want to get into concerning libertarianism and Christianity and one of the hurdles. Okay, so give me a little bit of latitude. Let me read just a couple of lines of George Washington's farewell address, and then we'll kind of get into the question that I think needs to be dealt with. Yeah. George Washington said, of all the dispositions and habits which led to political prosperity, religion, and morality— are indispensable supports. And let us with caution indulge the supposition that morality can be maintained without religion. Reason and experience both forbid us to expect that natural morality can prevail to the exclusion of a religious principle. So the issue, and we both agreed that the, the way America was set up was to be for a religious and moral people. Mm -hmm. Okay, so if, and, and keep in mind, people can be a religious, that's fine. In America, you're allowed to be an atheist, you're allowed to be an agnostic. The problem is we still need the morality side with the agnostic or the atheist. So what it comes down to in the Libertarian Party is... Where do we derive that morality from? Mm -hmm. Okay, so is divine law where we get our code of morality from? And if not, where does it originate? Yeah, so that's 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 an awesome question. Um, this is actually a uh, a topic that I briefly touched on with a Facebook comment um, recently. Uh, I think Tulsi Gabbard posted something out there about. Um, basically that like where God is, is directs us morally, the law of nature, nature's God. And, you know, um, something to that effect. I can't remember the exact quote. And I saw a friend's comment underneath and say, you know, I disagree with you on this one thing because, um, God has no purpose in directing human life. Right. Mm -hmm. So obviously, you know, my, my friend wasn't very religious. Um, <laughs> <laughs> since that's God's whole idea. Right. Right. Is <laughs> and, and, you know, he was talking about the role of government and those sorts of things. And, mm -hmm. and I said, you know, you don't have to be a religious person to understand that there are certain rights that are inherent. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, she, Tulsa Gabbard was recognizing the fact that rights are given by God. God. not by government sure right and he was saying no Which, that my my but, rights are not given to me by any supernatural being so okay first off he is diametrically opposed to uh the declaration of independence because it talks about that our um uh our rights are endowed by our creator right okay so if you don't believe that where does your friend land on 
right and wrong. And and I don't know personally for him, but sure. but I said, you know, what my response to him was you don't have to be religious to understand that rights are inherent. And mm-hmm. us as religious people, we see anything inherent as provided to us by God, right? Because he's the creator. Right. Okay. And so if you are, you know, and this is actually the founders talked about it. They they use the term the law of nature and nature's God. Mm-hmm. Meaning, you know, it's the 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 what we see in nature, there's a certain law that that goes to it where we understand that um killing is wrong mm-hmm. taking people's stuff is wrong um now um i would argue that we as christians so we as christians believe that in adam and eve like this goes all the way back to genesis right mm-hmm. god was telling adam and eve every single day this is what you do this is what you don't do you know blah 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 blah. they had free will but like he was telling them what was good and evil the entire time and then we ate from the the forbidden the, fruit the forbidden yep. fruit of of the, the knowledge of good, of knowledge and, evil, good and evil yeah. right and what that gave us was a certain degree of arrogance right that made us think well god doesn't necessarily have to tell us what's good and evil we can discern that ourselves mm-hmm. but even today regardless of whether or not you're a Christian or Hindu or Buddhist or not religious at all, you can have a, a, a group of people on an island grow up without any outside influence or any you know, in, in injection of God, and there will still be that same set of rules provided by the law of nature and nature's God that was been inherent from us, from, from our creation, from mm-hmm. our creator of do not kill, do not kill, uh, do not steal, um, and, and basically liberty, anything that's taken from you mm-hmm. without due process mm-hmm. is wrong. And um, so even for those people that aren't are necessarily religious, it, it's inherent in us, yeah. you know, and, and I don't know, those, they have to figure out where that inheritance come from, comes from. Okay. So let me be the devil's advocate. Yeah. Okay, why is murder wrong? Because we have those inherent rights of life, liberty and pursuit of happiness, right? Yeah, no, it's. A- so, but bear with me. Is it wrong for uh, the cat to kill the mouse? Yeah, no, I see your point, right? So it wouldn't be, and same thing. I like hunting. Sure, right? so do I. Yep. Um, would it be wrong for me to go out and kill an elk and eat it, leave it? Okay, because you're you're a hunter, right? Yeah. And and I think both of us would agree. If I go out there and I kill an elk, I'm like, oh yeah, that was cool, and I leave it behind. Sure. Is that wrong? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's. I would say it's terrible. It's wasteful. It's going to, you know. Uh, seriously affect the elk population if everyone did that just for sport. Right. Okay. Uh, there are going to be plenty of turkey vultures and coyotes that are going to be happy. Sure. But the fact is, uh, way too many elk are going to be killed, and you know that's terrible. So, uh, as far as I'm concerned, yes. The now I would, but keep in mind, even this is going back to my biblical belief. The yeah. Bible says there are reasons why killing an animal is acceptable. And these aren't as explicit as the 10 commandments and thou shalt not steal. But the Bible says you are allowed to kill animals to eat them. You are allowed to kill animals to protect yourself. You are allowed to kill animals um, to produce food and to uh, sell that to someone else and to use the wool to make clothes there. You're allowed to do all of these things because God said that they are there for us. God also said we are their stewards. So we're supposed to take care of them mm-hmm. and we are supposed to make sure that we do not waste the elk by just going out and shooting them like it's a video game or right. something. Okay, so it's okay for the cat to kill the mouse. It's okay for the coyote to hunt the rabbit. Okay, why is it not okay for me to kill somebody that I don't like? And I'm pretty sure that this is actually one of those questions that's asked um, 
uh, in uh, like year one of law school. Right. Because, you know, it, it is like where this is our foundation of our laws and stuff. And and, you know, it's it, you know, us Christians, we're able to you know, hit that easy sure, button because it's, it's easy like for us. God says it's wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not a Christian in this scenario. Right. I'm the devil's advocate. And I'm asking and I don't believe that there's a creator. Yeah. Therefore, if there is no creator and there's no set of morals and rules that I have to abide by, then evolution dictates that I have the right to kill a weaker species. I hate to say it, but this idea is where Paul Pot got yeah. his initiative. This is where Joseph Stalin and Adolf Hitler and you know the CCCP, you know, currently that's why they are rounding up people and working them as slaves and and killing them to harvest to their organs in order to sell them to you know rich people in China. So uh, the whole idea is. If there is no creator, then there's a really good case to be made for slavery. There's yeah. a really good case to be made for genocide. There's a really good case to be made for, you know. And I think you're right. So I think, you know, if you're if you're not religious and, and you don't have any base in your values in religion, um, you've got one of two choices. You can either recognize the inherent um, rights mm-hmm. and without trying to explain it, right? Um, or... <laughs> Um, you're going to go down this deep end, right? Where it's going to go for a tit for tat. Well, I, I wouldn't want to somebody else to kill me. So we're all going to have this moral law of not killing each other. Um, and it, it's eventually, it's such a loose foot footwork that we actually see this where, you know, we're talking about population control, right? Mm-hmm. We're talking about, um, you know, it, just to, to help out the environment for the greater good, utilitarianism yeah. of, of it. Well, you know, it doesn't matter about the individual so much as long as the greater good benefits. Um, those are our major problems because those are talking points of Adolf Hitler exactly. in Mein Kampf. That's exactly. what they did. They didn't start with Jews and boxcars. Exactly. They started with the mentally retarded, the physically handicapped in hospitals because it was a drain on the state. That's yes. where it started. Right. And it was doctors, not the SS that were executing people yeah. in Nazi Germany. Yeah. Doctors started the executions. Right. And, and you know, that that's, that's such a good point too. So like, what's the problem with that? Right. And, and that's there's the thing. no God, there is no problem. Right. And what did we get to after the whole world, the war was done and, you know, we put the Nazis on trial. What did they come up with? Go ahead. All right. So I actually, the yeah, defense? I, no, I get, no, 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 no. <laughs> um, I'm going to get out the, the second Timothy. Cause I just yeah. heard this today. Uh, second Timothy. Uh, oh man. It was like eight. It was like mm-hmm. the, the last, the, the the last uh chapter and i'll try and make this quick it's okay i hate to tell you there's no chapter eight in second Timothy, or, yeah but no okay. there isn't you're right <laughs> maybe i'm thinking here's uh, another politician right, right, right. Christian. no um <laughs> no chapter eight yeah it's four it's four <laughs> chapters right but it was the Don't last worry. chapter all right, all right. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I know a little bit no i'm i'm like i said i'm still exploring my faith here yeah um so it's the part on where he said in the end times, mm-hmm. um, and he's warning us. Oh, maybe it was three. Evil people and imposters will become worse, deceiving and being deceived. Um, I'm sorry, <laughs> but I'm tisk. So anyway, uh, it was basically talking about how. Um, <laughs> Uh, he, he was warning uh, uh, Timothy, you know, saying, you know, 
in the end times, mm -hmm. uh, people are going to be so self-indulged, yep. right? And 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 they're they're going to say the words, but they're going to fall short of of actually the word of God and believing the word of God, and. And I think that's exactly kind of what you're talking about is, is the, the world has become really self-indulged where we forget the meaning of life, where we don't care about the meaning of life as long as it, you know, is, is, uh, perpetuating. Right. So we get the, uh, people that, um, you know, as long as I'm not killing somebody else, you know, mm -hmm. they're not going to kill me. And we all live in this happy, happy Disneyland world. Um, and that's their morals for not wanting to kill. That's their morals for not wanting to steal is, is treat others as, You'd want to be treated as and a physical great. rule. I think that's great that they feel that way. But it's such I'm a weak to kill foundation. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's such a weak foundation because they 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 will be the first ones to say, well, well, you know, maybe maybe those people will, will let die. Okay, but okay, so what we're getting into, and this is the problem that I have, and I would love to debate a libertarian one time on, on this, because yeah. what they are getting down to is moral relativism. Yeah. They are saying that I don't feel this is right. Well, that's fine. But understand that in Iran, they're okay with taking homosexuals and throwing them off the roof of tall buildings. Mm -hmm. Okay. In Afghanistan, they're okay with taking women who have been, or women, girls that have been educated beyond the age of eight and killing them and their families. Right. So you have to understand that there are groups of people. Where I understand that you have a pretty civilized view, even though you don't derive your morals from the Bible, but we all have to find our moral code from somewhere, and there are some pretty bad people that don't have one. Now, in the, uh, what was it, the Nuremberg defense, or the, um, you know, they, they said we were just following orders, you know, we weren't doing anything wrong, and they said, sorry, you can't use that as a defense, there is a law higher than the German Supreme Court, and yeah. we are all bound by it. And and actually, the Nuremberg trials is really interesting too because it does show the um, inherent capacity we all we all have mm -hmm. um, to just be pursued to violate our core principles. You know, and and I think that honestly is is what the the founders were leading to the most was they said you know these people have to be moral religious and i mean and they probably didn't say it but principled yeah because if you're not you're just going to cave in on it and you're yeah. just going to let all these principles that were putting down in this document and you're just going to throw them away mm -hmm. um yeah and i had something else and i was going to say it um and i can't remember now but that's all right yeah. let me jump in with this this is a writing from benjamin franklin so uh, this was the the fundamental points to be taught in schools. This is what Benjamin Franklin came up with that was going to be good for America and necessary for everybody to understand. Now, please keep in mind, I am 100% against public schools. I mm. hate public schools more than I hate communism. Okay, I think they should be gotten rid of immediately. But let's go with what Benjamin Franklin was saying. If we have to have them, I think these five points should be taught. Number one, there exists a creator who made all things and mankind should recognize and worship him. Number two, the creator has revealed a moral code of behavior for happy living, which distinguishes right from wrong. Number three, the creator holds mankind responsible for the way they treat each other. Number four, all mankind live beyond this life. And number five, in the next life, mankind are judged for their conduct in this one. Now, even when you read through that, and when you learn about Benjamin Franklin, he was not the most 
ardent Christian. He wasn't mm -hmm. a Christian at all. He never, you know, I've never read anything where he's claimed to be. Although, you know, I do find him quoting a lot more of the Bible than yeah. a lot of other people. And when you look at that, he's not even pushing Christianity. He is pushing the idea that there must be a creator and therefore that creator gets to decide right and wrong, which gives us a reason for natural law. Natural law makes sense if there's a creator. If there's no creator, all of a sudden, I ask people, you have to define natural law and where it comes from. Right. And why is natural law different for the cat and the coyote than it is for Patrick Hayes? Right. And, and you know, again, I think that's, so two things there. I would say with uh, Benjamin Franklin uh, on that quote, I, I agree with Benjamin Franklin that every child should learn that. Yeah. Um, uh, however, I go back to that same thing. If mm -hmm. I give the schools the power to do that, I think that should be taught by churches. I mm -hmm. think that should be taught by parents. But I think um, you start giving public schools that ability. Now, where instead of being taught, well, the creator this and the creator that, it's going to be, you know, well. The next step is give the creator a name. And then we're right. So, or, or you start, you start allowing the schools to start dictating values and mm -hmm. morals. And we can see what the public school is doing right now. Are they teaching our, our kids the morals and values that most parents agree with? No, no, they're close. not. It's right. Insane. So like, I'm glad you said it, you know, public schools shouldn't be really that, that involved in our, our kids if, if they should exist at all. Yeah. Now uh, I did want to talk on the extremes. So when you start to, to, to lose grasp of something solid on where the good and evil comes from mm -hmm. and with, when it comes to libertarians, what you're probably going to find is they're going to say, well, so this is why I'm actually an anarchist. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and they're going to start talking about how, you know, you know, the, the reason why most laws are caused are because the institutions and, and uh, institutional structures and, and, and they'll go on and on about how their, you know, murder is actually going to be extremely rare. You know, if we ever have an anarchy and, and they'll go on about that kind of stuff, because when you start losing grasp and you start re relying on moral relativism, then you start going to the extremes of, you know, um, you know, anarchy, or you start going to extremes of, well, we got to control everything because, you know, our, personal view on good and bad is the only thing that matters. Yeah, that's, that's, that's why it's so important. I agree with you that, um, you know, we be a society that does believe in a creator that does believe, um, in some sort of, you know, ultimate power. Mm -hmm. There has to be a foundation where we derive our moral code. Yeah. And there really is for everybody. Some people don't want to admit it. And I understand that because there are implications that they don't like with that. But that's the question that keeps coming up because you have to understand that is going to be one of the foundational principles we're going to keep coming back to when we ask what of God's laws must be enforced by the government. Yeah. So you know, we, I would say no more than the 10 commandments. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I would, I would even argue that I don't think the 10 commandments should be enforced by thou shall not kill. Uh, yeah, I'm fine with that one. Yeah. But how do you do? I'm the Lord, thy God, thou shall have no other gods yeah. before me. No, All I of agree. a sudden, you, you know, right. you made it Christian. So uh, how about this? Can I start with this idea to answer the question? How many of God's laws must be enforced by a government? The answer is as few as possible. Well, sure, as few as possible to protect our rights, our inherent rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Okay, so let me that's, give you— That's a, the big thing, right, is protecting I, I human rights. 100%. Now, 
um, we're going to go over. You don't have to, you're not on a hard clock, right? No, 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 no. So I want to keep going with this thought rather than having you back for, I mean, I'd like to have you back again to talk about more stuff, Sure. but I'd like to finish this point. Okay. So I want to give you an idea here because when I talked to a lot of Christians, I had one of them answer and say, you know, well, the 10 commandments. And my first question was, are you saying that the government should force people to believe in only one God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? And he's like, well, so you can, you can see the problem right out of the game. Okay. So let me give you this idea. We should have the government enforce uh, laws pertaining to those sins that take away the life, liberty, and property of another person. Yeah. Okay, so anything that I do that takes away from your life, liberty, and property has to be stopped. Yes. Okay. Anything outside of that is where Christians have a hard time. Yes. And, okay. And that's where we start blurring the line yes. between man's law yes. and God's, God's moral law. code. Yes. And this is what I want to talk about. Okay. So when we look in the Bible, the question here is, and I know you have given the caveat, I'm not a biblical scholar, but I'm right. going to ask you some Bible questions here anyhow, and we'll see how you do. Okay. So does the Bible forbid drunkenness? I no, I actually I don't believe so. I, in fact, I've seen I've read certain passages that um, um, where very biblical people have been drunk. No, no, no. We're not saying have people been drunk. Right. We're asking, does God forbid drunkenness? We're not asking the question, does God forbid the consumption of alcohol? Sure. We're asking, is there a line where God says, do not be drunk? I think that's where you you come into the concept of gluttony. Uh-huh. Right. Because if you're if you're drinking enough to get drunk, then mm-hmm. obviously you're being gluttonous about your intake. And and, and let me just. Let me but just, I, I don't know if there's anything explicit on. No, drunk. that's OK. And I can quote the verse. So it says, be not drunk with wine, but whereas in excess, but be filled. Uh, something about the Holy Spirit. So I wasn't I wasn't thinking I'd have to bring up the verse. Otherwise, I would have put it down. But here's the idea. Let's just agree that God forbids drunkenness. We're not going to argue whether God says you can or cannot drink. Okay. But we'll say that there is a line where God says, this is too much. And I don't want you to do any more of that. Okay. Now the question after that is, is drunkenness punishable in the Bible? So God makes up laws all the way from Genesis, all the way to, you know, revelation where God says, do this, don't do that. Mm -hmm. And God gives punishments for these things. Drunkenness is forbidden in the Bible, but God does not punish drunkenness anywhere in the Bible. There's not a penalty for it. What there is, is a penalty for your actions while you are drunk. Okay. So if while you're drunk, you happen to kill somebody, destroy their property, yada, 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 you are held accountable for that. In the same way, I don't believe there should be any law against drunkenness. I do believe that there should be laws that prohibit the actions of people when they're drunk. Okay. Yes, you cannot. It's not okay for you to be drunk in public and throw up in my restaurant. It's not okay for you to be drunk and get in a motor vehicle and run over somebody. But I always bring up the same idea of the seatbelt law. It's the, it's the easiest one or the motorcycle helmet law. I am 100% and will always be 100% against motorcycle helmet laws. Yeah. 
I am, I understand you should wear a helmet and I don't own a motorcycle. I have in the past. And when I would ride, I would wear a, a helmet because I wanted to be safe in case there was an accident. Sure. But there is no reason that I should have to force you to wear a helmet. If you end up in an accident, it's not going to affect the life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness of anyone else on earth if you sustain greater injuries or death because you did not have a helmet. Now, do we have to say that um, there should be a helmet law for kids under 18 if they're riding with their mom or dad? Okay, I understand that. Whether you want to debate it, that's fine. But the idea that, you know, in the same way, I don't allow my seven-year-old to decide what he's going to eat every day because he would eat candy all day long and not brush his teeth. So I make decisions for him. And I think, you know, I don't have a problem with a seatbelt law for children or a helmet law for children. But for anyone that's allowed, we're, we're going to say there's a line where guess what? You get to determine whether you're going to uh, have nicotine. You're going to determine whether you're going to have alcohol. You're going to determine whether you're going to join the military. You're going to determine everything in your life. We are no longer considering you children anymore. Guess what? You don't have to wear a helmet. Yeah. I don't care what state it is. It's a ridiculous idea. Now, I think it's smart to do so. I also think it's smart not to drink 32 ounces of soda every time you go to lunch. But guess what? The state of New York does not have the right to tell you it's illegal. Yeah. And, and that's where, you know, God's moral code is now. OK, so I've got a little bit to talk about here. Go for it. <laughs> so, I, I threw a lot at you. Jump on in. <laughs> All right. So uh, two things here. So hopefully I can remember both of them. Mm -hmm. All right. So the first one is when you're talking about crimes committed while drunk, mm -hmm. um, you know, that is the the. I would argue exactly what you're talking about, yeah. um, uh, that when you're drunk and you commit a crime, mm -hmm. that there should be a, a weighted system, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, that, that says, well, yeah, you did this crime, and mm -hmm. because you can't control your alcohol and because you lose your inhibitions when you're drunk, mm -hmm. um, you know, we're going to punish you significantly because you know, there, it's likely you're going to do it again next time you get drunk. Sure. Um, now, uh, similarly, do you believe that hate, hate speech is a crime? No, no. But if no way, if there's I, no such thing as hate speech, right? Well, so let's say crime. Let's say, let's say mm -hmm. I uh, commit murder mm -hmm. and I murder someone because mm -hmm. of the color of their skin. Sure, is that more wrong than murdering somebody because I hate them? No. Why not? Because it is the taking of the life that is the crime. So, so here's the. So idea. there's no multiplier there. So when you're drunk, no. yeah. So when you, when you're drunk and you commit crimes, so mm -hmm. so we also shouldn't put multipliers on that. Um, just you know, in the same same way as you you shouldn't put a multiplier on if they do it uh, because of hate. Now okay, so I would say first, first of all, the yeah. the question that has to come up is how do you know the murderer killed this guy because he was black, because mm -hmm. he was gay, because he was short, because he liked Italian food? How do you know? Yeah, it's impossible to come up with that. That's the reason. Unless you have the, evidence. Sure. Right. And even if you had evidence that, you know, it was a hate crime. Guess what? When he killed the guy, it was a pretty good bit of evidence that he hated him. Yeah, well, yeah, sure. OK, so um, like it, but it would be different, you know, if I killed my neighbor because he kept trespassing on my lawn and mm -hmm. I, I, I or doing something and I just hate, didn't like him. Right. Mm -hmm. Um the the reason why i would say that the multiplier should exist in what case and uh i would say probably more so in the hate speech than the drunkenness okay um because 
if I know that there's somebody out there that murdered uh, a black guy just because he was black, mm-hmm. we give him 25 years. He's 20 years old. When he gets out at 45 years, yeah. right, he is going to do the same thing, right? Because his, his that hate's still there, right? Yeah, his, but- his racism's still there. But you and I have a different stance on the penalty that should be exacted yeah. on murder. And yeah. Because of that, in my scenario, it doesn't matter because guess what? He's the, getting the death penalty. He's getting the death penalty. <laughs> he doesn't come right. back after 25 years. For me, and you got to understand, this is another one that you and I debated before, and we can talk about it another day. Yeah. I do not think there should be jails or prisons. Yeah. And I know people that are listening are like, what are you talking <laughs> about, Patrick? Yeah. And this is what I would challenge every one of my listeners to do. Find one jail or one prison in God's system of punishment anywhere. Don't tell me that Paul was in prison. Those weren't <laughs> God's prisons. Those were Roman prisons. Yeah. But find a jail or a prison anywhere in God's system of justice. It didn't exist. But see, you're also talking about two different things. We're, mm-hmm. again, talking about God's moral code versus mm-hmm. man's law. Right now, in God's moral code, yeah. there, there wasn't even a real system of government government until Moses mm-hmm. assigned the judges, right? Mm-hmm. And even at that, it was not judges to to assign God's moral, or wasn't, it, it, these judges weren't dictated to enforce man's law. They were dictated to judge on God's moral code, right? But you got to remember, we're also talking about a situation where there was a theocracy. So it was different than any government we've ever seen before. When you read through the Bible and you read about the laws in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and when the Jews get into the promised land in the book of Joshua and all through the book of Judges, the judges literally had a direct access to God. The way that it read was when Moses came down to something, he's like, man, I don't know what to do about this. He's like, okay, everyone, wait a second. Hey, uh, God, uh, what do you think I should do with this? And then God's like, oh, with this one, you should do it like this. Okay, thanks, God. Hey, everyone, listen up. This is what we're going to do. That doesn't exist anymore. Right. What I am saying is that the way that God judges things is going to be perfect Mm -hmm. and better than the way we do. Yes. And the way God set it up is there is a group of crimes where God said they are so bad that we are no longer going to deal with custodial sentencing. What we're going to do is we're going to put them away and they are going to die and they're going to die a gruesome, horrible public death. And therefore, guess what? you know, people aren't going to kidnap anyone. Yeah. That was the goal. So for me, the idea is if there is premeditated murder, which is different than manslaughter in the Bible, because the Bible covers manslaughter, and that is not a capital crime. Okay. Manslaughter is by definition, there was an accident, you were chopping wood and you pull the ax back and the head flies off and it hits your neighbor and they go unconscious and they're in a coma and then they die a week later. That's manslaughter. Right. And he, and God even said that that's not even punishable by death. In fact, he's, he there were certain protections that God put in place that said, uh-huh. there are, make a city that these Got people it. can go to. So they can be protected yes. until, okay. So, but understand when we're talking about premeditated yeah. murder, I'm not concerned about the motive. I'm concerned about where the pile of rocks are. Okay, that's <laughs> right. all I'm concerned yeah, about. Yeah, you know, and, and I think that's a good, that's a valid point. I think the, so the other thing uh, I also want to bring up was you brought mm-hmm. up the kids wearing helmets. Yeah. So that falls into child endangerment. The thing I hate the most is mm-hmm. over-redundant loss, right? Where we make laws. We have multiple yeah. laws that Weird. cover... <laughs> Um, so that's the thing I hate the most, right? Like but, the 10th and the 14th and the, yeah. yeah. Have you ever looked through the, when you get into, you know, there are multiple uh, um, amendments to the constitution that give women 
rights oh, to yeah. a certain degree. And it's like, how many times are we going to rewrite that, guys? Like, anyway, go yeah, ahead. yeah, no. So, yeah. Uh, um, the uh, actually, I have a funny story on that a little uh-huh. bit later too. Um, let's say you're you're driving Child down the road. endangerment yeah. helmet loss. Go yeah. For so it. let's yep. say you're driving down the road on your motorcycle with your kid on the back, and you say, you know what, kid, you don't need to wear a motorcycle, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I don't believe that there should be a law that says mm-hmm. that your kid has to wear one because if you get in a car wreck and your kid dies mm-hmm. right we start talking about manslaughter right uh-huh. what were your actions leading up to this incident were sure. you driving irresponsibly and so mm-hmm. on right and one of the questions is going to be were you responsible for that human being sure. and responsible for the protection the guidance and and so on the instruction mm-hmm. of that human being and if you were did you provide the adequate guidance and protection for that human being mm-hmm. and if you didn't now you're responsible for child endangerment right mm-hmm. so that's that law already exists yeah. right so so requiring your child to have a helmet on mm-hmm. I, I don't feel like is necessary because here's the thing dad here's the thing mom if your child dies yeah. because you were negligent you now get and multiplier onto mm-hmm. your whatever sentence because sure. you know child death and result of child endangerment is mm-hmm. a huge thing right um so that's that that's my little take on it um uh, I, I think we get really into the weeds especially about passing more complicated laws with ear tags and everything yeah. when it comes to well we got to make sure that you're you're wearing a helmet because you might put somebody else in danger or you mm-hmm. might hike up somebody's interest rates or, or, or insurance rates right you know we, we start yeah. getting that indirect you know relation to to, to people and i'm people's... not a fan i don't care that it affects you effect is different from taking your rights away right okay, Indir- that's why you can go ahead and eat a stick of butter for lunch every day and i don't care it's like well that's going to make Healthcare more expensive for everyone. Okay, well, guess what? Then we should outlaw stupid people. Right, but well, th- we're not gonna. If we let the if we let and let the uh, private insurance companies do their thing, oh, right? Boy, here we go. Yeah, no. <laughs> right. So, like, I mean, I'm a healthy. Let's say my family's a bunch of healthy people. We run all the yeah. time. We do. We take. Our, our health seriously right mm-hmm. we're probably going to find an insurance company that that takes that kind of stuff seriously yeah. so that way i'm not having to pay for people's you know heart conditions caused by you know poor exercise and and stuff right and you know some other people who you know maybe aren't as in in uh are concerned with that diet and exercise you know they don't qualify for those um insurance companies so they're going to have to pay um for their own you know, habits because they're paying for it through other people that are doing the same thing as them, right? So, uh, you know, the market, here's the thing, right? When, when we start talking about uh, God and God's influence and the invisible hand and stuff like that, it's weird because it seems like if you just let the market do its thing, it works out, mm-hmm. right? If you start getting the 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 government involved in the market, things don't work out the way they should, right? Same thing with, you know, religion and morals. If you just let you know, people's morals um you know, if you, you make people realize that, hey, no one's going to tell so-and-so down the road not to wrong you as long as it's not you know violating your rights of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Um, so maybe you all should come to an agreement that we're all going to find a moral code that we're going to follow. And maybe that moral code is Christianity. And maybe it's Muslim, Islam. Maybe mm-hmm. it's, you know, whatever. But um, the free market of ideas, right, um, free market of philosophy is ultimately going to establish that that moral code. And me, I'm a Christian. I believe that that is the way. Right. And that is the way of righteousness. And I'm going to show people that that is the way through my actions. OK, so what we're I'm going to try to rein this conversation yeah. and get it back to the idea. <laughs> so we started with the idea of um, drunkenness, the punishment for it. Yeah. And even though God says it's bad, 
we should not have a law against that act. The, I, the same idea is nobody is going to believe that smoking cigarettes is good for us, right? Sure. I mean, is anyone making that argument? Yeah. Nobody no. is. But we should not make it illegal. Okay, yeah. the government shouldn't be involved with it. So what you get down to, you get to, here's the problem with Christians and government. Most of them want the government to enforce the way they feel yeah. rather than principles. And what we have today is a government that is run off of how people feel on both sides of the aisle. And you go into crazy, weird, over-the-top areas of laws being made to enforce someone's rathers instead of going off of a principle. So yeah. for me, I am a hundred percent against drug use. Yeah. Okay. hundred percent against it. I teach my kids, you shouldn't do drugs. I'm a recovering drug addict. My kids know that my wife knows that all my fans know that both of my fans know that. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> so I tell people you, you should not do drugs. And the re and I tell people, my kids, you shouldn't do drugs because you're going to like it. Mm -hmm. And the odds are, you know, you're going to do it more than you should. It's going to be bad for your health. Um, it'll, it, it'll cause things to happen in your life that you don't want. With that being said, I don't think that we should have laws against smoking marijuana. Yeah. And, and I know a Christian saying that there are people going, oh, I can't oh. believe that. That's unbelievable. <clears throat> you got to remember, we are either going to say God's law is going to be the government's way, or we're going to say God's law pertains to God's followers, mm -hmm. and then the government and the laws it enforces are only going to be those that rob someone else of their life, liberty, and their pursuit of happiness or their property, whichever way you want to go. The problem people have is that that philosophy is going to cause the government to not prosecute certain behaviors that people would rather their friends and family and neighbors not do. Right. But you have to understand if the government doesn't give us those freedoms, then sooner or later, they are going to come for your freedoms mm -hmm. that you like, including the religion that you appreciate being able to be free to exercise and follow. So we have to allow people to make poor decisions. We have to allow people to make wrong decisions. People have to be legally free to make the wrong religious decision. 100%. They, they have to be free to say there is no God. I came from a monkey. I share a common heritage with an earthworm and there is, you know, no moral code that I have to follow. I think it's really important for Christians to recognize a government is not God. Yes. Right. Um, and we are right now giving government the power of God. Yes. Right. And that's, that's wrong. Mm -hmm. um, and the other thing is don't be a lazy Christian, mm -hmm. right? If you, if you see, you know, uh, you know, I've got teenagers, right. And, and, and I hate seeing them go down the wrong path. Sure. Right. But I am not going to, yeah. Yeah. Uh, my thing is, is I'm going to be an active Christian and active 
Christian father, mm -hmm. and I'm going to do everything in my power to steer them in the right way, even though some of those things that they're doing isn't even necessarily illegal. It's yeah. just a really dumb idea. Correct. Right. Um, I'm going to do my part and be an active Christian father mm -hmm. and, and give them guidance and they will roll their eyes mm -hmm. and they will hate me for it. I don't care. Mm -hmm. Right. But that is, you know, that's the thing is if you don't like seeing your friends and loved ones going down that path, be an active Christian do and do it. something. Yeah. But we cannot ask the government to force our children, our neighbors, our family, our friends, our coworkers to change their behaviors every time we don't like them. And the fact is we might be wrong, yeah. even though we don't like it. Or even when we know that the behaviors of you know those around us are bad for them, we don't have the right to enact the government to force them to get in line with what we believe or everything that God says. People have, if we do not allow speech that we find detestable, and there's a lot of it out there, yep. then guess what? We are not going to be able to have a Christian podcast because other people, if you go to Canada, do you know that you are not allowed to teach or preach on anything publicly? You're not allowed to talk about anything negative concerning homosexuality. You're not even allowed to read a Bible verse that condemns it in your church. That is Canada, right? Now. Well, with our with the the law banning um, conversion therapy, mm -hmm. it's so vaguely worded and so yep. vaguely ruled on that it's not going to be long where your sermon is yep. going to be viewed as conversion therapy. Absolutely, you're not allowed to speak against yeah. all of the any of these ideas. So. That's what's going to happen if we give the government the power to restrict things that even, even the things that we know are wrong, they have to be legally permissible. Otherwise, we're just waiting for a group to get into power where they flip the coin. They're like, well, now we think what you do and say and believe is bad. So therefore, we're going to make a good point to sum that up is during the 2016 election, 2020 election, everyone um, was saying, you know, if Trump gets elected or reelected, mm -hmm. it's going to be the end of the world. And and on the opposite side, if Hillary or, Trump or Biden yeah. gets elected, it's going to be the end of the world. Here's an idea. If you think that one person getting in power in that mm -hmm. one seat is going to be the end of the world, maybe they have too much power. Yeah, then there's a bigger problem at hand. Right. And 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 I think people need to recognize that is, you know, again, I, I keep saying it. Government's not God, but we've mm -hmm. given it the power of God. And and when the people that you don't like are now in power, they're going to put all those things that you were wielding mm -hmm. against you. Absolutely. I always tell people, and, and I use this oftentimes in a Second Amendment argument, but mm -hmm. I'll use it in any argument. We need to limit the power of the government so much. And, we'll, and, and the way we know when it's enough and we can stop is when the government fears me. When IRS agents fear me. Right. When my governor fears me, when my local sheriff fears me, when the district attorney fears me, when the president and the senators, when they all fear me, the individual citizen, then I know that we have gotten them down to the size that they're supposed to be. So, again, going back to the Anti-Federalist Papers. Mm -hmm. Right. And so these are all the arguments that formed the first 10 amendments. Mm -hmm. uh, the one that they were working on for the Second Amendment, it, it's, it's huge. It's mm -hmm. cheap. Right. But um, <laughs> read it. Take your time. OK. Yeah. So um, that. Excuse, OK. So that the people 
have a right to keep and bear arms that a well-regulated militia composed of the body of people trained to arms is proper, natural, and a safe defense of a free state. That standing armies in time of peace are dangerous to liberty and therefore ought to be avoided as far as circumstances and protection of the community will admit, and that in all cases, the military, therefore the government, should be under strict subordination to and governed by the civil power or the civilian power. Mm. And what they mean by that is the civilian armed militia the power mm-hmm. of the people to be able to just overthrow their government and be like done for yep. right and that's you know, that's what you're talking about absolutely i think that we should have a uh, model that is i don't want to bring up other countries i think we should have a model <laughs> where the government actually provides us with arms and ammunition and training every single civilian and therefore uh we all have the ability and the knowledge and the know-how to overthrow the government when they step out of line. And so many, many people will, will argue that's what the National Guard is. And mm-hmm. and honestly, that, that's very true, except for the fact that the Patriot Act um, made it to where the federal government doesn't have to ask the permission of the, the governor, governor anymore yeah. to, to, to activate the guard. And so that kind of undercuts that. Mm-hmm. Um, however, yeah, no, I, I think, um, you know, as, a, uh, as someone who's been in the military, I, I can tell you right now that I would rather see a, a a civilian who is authorized to be as well armed as the average infantryman. And mm-hmm. if you uh, take Joe Biden's stance on, well, you'd have to have nuclear weapons to stand up against our government. Well, mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, there were uh, some Afghani's that were standing up against the government with nothing more than an AK-47, oh, yeah. and they did a lot of damage, right? And and you know, AK-47 and ammonium nitrate, right? So yep. I mean, uh, you don't don't sit here and tell me that that you can't bring um, the world's power to its knees with mm-hmm. uh, uh, an an AR-15, an armed populace, because you can. Absolutely. Yep. Okay, so yeah. <laughs> let me let me check on my notes here. So, okay, so I wanted to go over an idea here, and this is going against libertarianism. Okay. And the way that it worked out was that the the founders of this country believed in a free market and they wanted the government to be <clears throat> completely hands off. I mean, they were fans of Adam Smith, you mm-hmm. know, in the wealth yep. of nations, uh, which is a book I would hope everyone would read, but they had four things where they said, look, we are going to violate our principles and our belief as far as the government being hands off in the market except for these four areas where we feel that if we do not have laws and rein it in, um, severe destruction is going to come. Okay, so you ready for this? So they came up with number one, illegal force in the marketplace to compel purchase or sale of products. The government was going to say, we are going to step in anytime private industry forces you to... purchase or sell any products when you say force you mean by physical force by physical force or through uh coercion okay the the idea where uh we don't care that you only want the internet okay you have to buy the internet and cable and a landline and how are you going to enforce that and a second you know landline um for a fax machine with uh the government okay yeah. And so that's the idea is keep in mind that they are talking about we are going to give the government power 
okay, to regulate the free market, which we think should be hands off in these four areas, because if we don't, okay, there can be, um, there can be private industry that will be able to abuse people. The second one is fraud. Okay, fraud and misrepresenting the quality, location, ownership, or item being sold or bought. All right. Uh, the third one is monopoly. And this one is often debated, okay, which eliminates competition and results in restraint of trade. Um, and then the fourth one is debauchery, where they said <clears throat> that the debauchery of the cultural standards and moral fiber of society by the commercial exploitation of vice. Pornography, mm. obscenity, drugs, liquor, prostitution, and commercial gambling. Mm. And they said that we want to be able to um, regulate or make these some of these things wholly illegal because we have seen the degradation of societies to the point where uh, we are willing to step in and go against our own principles in order to uh, save the country. Yeah. So the fourth one's hard, so I'll get to that one. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And that's <laughs> one that you brought up earlier yeah. and we were talking about. Yeah. Yeah, because um, I'm borderline, borderline uh, well, actually, I, I think on all of them, I'm pretty, pretty much going to disagree with the founders. So what, mm -hmm. the first one um, was talking about using force or coercion in order to make you buy a product, right? No, and the idea was the that the private industry would force you to buy right. their products and the government said, no, you can't do that. Right. So the question I have is, is how is the private in industry going to force you to buy it? Oh, that's easy. That is going to be um, uh, like uh, Obamacare. Okay. So they're going to wield the government. In that case. Yes. Yeah. So in, in any situation that I can think of, mm -hmm. they would have to wield the government or establish their own government within the free market, right? Which then at the point, at that point, it's not a free market anymore. Um, so you can, when it gets down to a monopoly. <clears throat> and so I was going to talk about monopolies. So the monopoly is the one that would have some overlap because let's say in your area, you only have one industry and mm -hmm. that industry is whatever spectrum or that industry is Comcast or whatever the, you know, provider is. is. And they say, okay, well in this area where we have no competition, we're going to say that you have to buy this bundle even yeah. though you want this one service and we can easily do it but we're not gonna because it's gonna be a lot more money for us now so so we we, we covered that the first one has to be enforced without the monopoly part mm -hmm. has to be enforced through government sure okay uh the second one was what fraud fraud okay so, so um, the government is going to ensure that fraud cannot take place so what's the difference between fraud and theft uh, fraud is just one form of theft. Right. So so we've already established that theft is in violation of your pursuit of happiness, um, arguably maybe your, even your liberty, right? So that's already illegal. We can we can establish that that's not even in violation of the, the list of laws that the government is allowed to enforce. The, the difference is that theft is overt and fraud is covert. Sure, but it's still illegal. If I covertly steal from you for many years and you're just really bad with your money and don't realize I'm stealing all your money, it's still theft. Sure. Right. So I think, you know, enforcing fraud doesn't go against their principles. Mm -hmm. um, I think, uh, you know, so then we get, when we get to monopolies, and this one's again hotly debated. Yes. Because um, why is Spectrum the only thing that people can buy? I don't know. I'll say because every other service we don't like and everyone's given their money to them because they have a 
uh, superior product. Okay, most, so that's one option. So but, most of the time when you have one provider of utility of mm -hmm. some kind, it's because the local municipality, county, or state mm -hmm. has uh, signed a contract with mm -hmm. that, that provider that says that you get to have this area. This is your area. Sure. But the idea is, and this came from the idea of, uh, you know, uh, Carnegie and um, mm -hmm. uh, what's his name? I forget the other the one. Pinkertons and all that. <clears throat> now there's um, there's the steel guy and there's the oh Rockefeller, guy, Rockefeller and yeah. Carnegie. Okay, so what would happen is um, uh, they would go into towns and they would buy you know nine of the twelve gas stations and they would lower the price enough to starve out the mm -hmm. last three and then they would just shut them down and then they would jack up the price. And the idea is that once you get big enough, you can actually do unethical practices in order to eliminate your competition instead of doing fair trade. So there's actually a good, and I, I, it's been a while since I've touched on it's this, right. so I'm yeah. a little bit unprepared, but um, so the uh, deal on Rockefeller isn't mm -hmm. completely true. That's something that, that we are, you know, told growing up in public school that Rockefeller was the most evil man in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, when in fact the opposite is probably true. Yeah, there were, it, he was able to make it to where competition was stiff, but he also revolutionized oil industry altogether. Okay. Right. But wait a minute, wait a minute. If you're going to tell me that he was not a monster. Okay. I'm going to challenge that because he had to come up with he was one of the first guys to come up with an endowment because no charity would take a check with his name on it that's how evil the guy was he had to come up with a shell corporation to give away his money to charity so what was he doing that was so evil Okay, he was fine with eliminating anyone that stood in his way for the purpose of success in his was business. he giving them money to to buy them out was he providing people goods and services that would undercut the the prices, right? So he would the, the what you're talking about is that he's lowering the prices enough that it would make it to where all small businesses would get driven out, right? Mm -hmm. So that's what's happening with Walmart even right mm -hmm. now, right? Um, you know, now if he starts jacking his prices up, what's going to stop those small businesses from jumping back in the market? Sure, they could. The problem is that small businesses like me, I'm a small business, I'm mm -hmm. a single person for the, the cost is so great to shut down and then to start up again, that it would be, you know, very difficult. Sure. Not to say that it couldn't happen. And the theory, uh, the theory is, is that there will be a cost that he can't raise above because mm -hmm. otherwise there will be people that can jump into the market. Mm -hmm. The thing is, is, and, and again, I, this has been a while since I've touched no, on it. There, okay. There's a good, uh, I'll, there's a good documentary on it. Um, and it talks about Rockefeller and, and, and why he was painted as a monster. Uh, but, um, he, uh, he never did jack the prices up. Mm -hmm. That was a worry. That was a concern. And a lot of people were pissed off about it, but he never did actually um, jack up the prices from what I understand. And I'll, I'll have to check on that again. And maybe next time we record. Uh, mm -hmm. So anyway, so the monopoly thing is hard because for me, I, I have a hard time wrapping my head around a monopoly that can exist without some some sort of government intervention to sustain that monopoly. Most of the time, they're going to crumble underneath themselves. Um, and then lastly, that fourth one where they, the founders said that they're going to undermine their principles to limit the free market in the case of pornography, uh, prostitution, yeah. these things. They said that it was going to be so degrading to a society, and they've seen it, that they said we are going to support uh, making these things illegal and 
it's not going, obviously we know it's not going to stop them. Yeah. Okay. Um, but the idea was the, or the goal was, you know, we're going to make it as hard as possible. Yeah. So, and, and I think those kinds of laws create black market, which makes the, the crime industry even worse, right? Mm-hmm. It makes, it makes the, the result of the, the, the immoral implications mm-hmm. worse. Right. Um, now, you know, I'm one of those people that says that I would like to have some sort of mechanism that would tamp down that kind of immorality. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also am a man of God, and I believe that God does that himself. We've seen, I mean, I've got a book that says that he does, yeah. right? Um, and, uh, you know, I don't believe that enforcing morality, in, mm-hmm. even in that situation, yeah. is the role of government. Mm-hmm. I think that we should have a mechanism, and I think that is is church. So then, really— what the government should be doing is protecting religious liberties mm-hmm. at all costs because they know that the result of that is good for the nation. Yeah. And they should foster an environment for those things to grow, grow. rather than an environment to stifle them at every turn. Right. And if our government changed gears and said, look, this is what we want to do. We know this is good. We're going to, and in the same way, you want to know what else is great for every society? You ready for this? A family. Yeah. Do you know that? Absolutely. Mom and a dad and kids that all live together and stay together and divorces don't happen. That is better for every society on earth. And insurance uh, companies tell us that. Yep. They study that and they say that a man that is married will live longer than a single man. A man that is married with a kid lives longer than a man that's married with no kids. And I would argue too that it's not only just the the immediate family. Mm-hmm. I think the family community is mm-hmm. something that we're lacking in a lot, right? I mean, you know, and my family is no different. You know, my my parents live, you know, up in North Dakota mm-hmm. and my my other the other grandparents are like an hour or two away. So like I get it, you know, it's hard, but Having that that extended family interaction with the grandkids, um, having aunts and uncles constantly, mm-hmm. yeah. cousins, cousins and all that around. stuff, yep. like that is a huge structure, a community structure. And we've always said it takes mm-hmm. a community to raise a kid. Mm-hmm. But then, like, where, where what community, right? Or, well, I guess the 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 computer game community, or sure. um, like in the case of my oldest, it was the skate park community. And mm-hmm. obviously it didn't work out the way, like, sure. <laughs> like there were some morals that weren't taught at the skate park. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so I think it's, you know, we're missing a lot of that. And I think you're right. Uh, it starts with that, that uh, nuclear family, but mm-hmm. we need to start pushing even farther and start getting grandparents and uncles and aunts all working together again. Yeah. So instead of trying to work against um, drugs and liquor and pornography and prostitution and commercial gambling, really the idea is we should have a country where uh, we foster the good things, which is we know that God is good for people. We know that morality is good for people. We know that the uh, all, all of these ideas are good. So anywhere we can, we are going to try to make it easy for yeah. them to exist. We're going... But instead, we have a government that seems to fight it all the time. And you got to remember, allowing and uh, encouraging those things, that is not the government picking a religion and forcing it on anyone. That's saying, look, we know that God is good for a community. And and I'll be honest, and obviously this is coming as you know a pastor who believes in the Bible, you even find this in uh, Hindu communities. 
back east and on the west coast, okay, where they are uh, thriving and where they have a lot of people in the community that are all able to get together. They have healthier families. They have smarter kids. They have less crime. Okay, it it works the same way in the Christian communities, Mm -hmm. okay, because we all believe that there is a God, there's a creator, there is a moral code, and it is important that we follow that. Yes. It is good for all those communities. They don't have to push one over the other. Yeah. What they do need to allow and encourage is the idea that um, these things are good, believing them is good, uh, teaching them to your kids is good. Uh, having uh, a day of the week, you know, to do these things is good. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, uh, you know, being able to learn about these things is good rather than uh, forcing it down our throat that we are bad people if we believe our religion and it goes against a minority. Yeah. You know, and it's just such a shame because and and keep in mind the idea that a pastor would say, you know what? Pornography has to be legal. Prostitution has to be legal. Yeah. The idea of hearing that is absurd to so many people. Yeah. The problem is people cannot see the relationship between pornography and the Bible. Yeah. Because as a, as abhorrent as a Christian sees pornography, that's how abhorrent certain people view the Bible. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and what you said is absolutely right. You know, the best way that a government can improve the morality is to pave a way to allow that free exchange of thoughts of, of religion to get out there and prove those people wrong that the mm-hmm. Bible is not this, this, god awful thing um it that that it's actually the 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 moral guide of how you should live your life this is the best way to enjoy this universe mm-hmm. um get out of the way government needs to get out of the way allow that to happen let the 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 natural the the law of nature nature's god prosper because mm-hmm. it's going to happen mm-hmm. um and biggest thing is stop pushing other morals right and so um and this is this is the thing is not only is the government not enforcing the Bible, which is good, fine. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not, and they are enforcing other people's theocracy, right? And that's where, um, you know, you, you said it before, you don't trust doctors that get on TV. Well, you know, in the past few months, we've seen how the psychological community has messed up on um, depression. They've messed up on Alzheimer's. You know, we saw the the CDC came out and said, yeah, we messed up on COVID. You know, the medical community has formed its own theocracy and it's got its, it's wielding the government to push its theocracy. And, and, and that's not to say that, that all of those things are bad and everything. It's just, what I'm saying is, because uh, I, I, the medical community, the, the scientific community, I have a lot of faith in the scientific community. I believe in the scientific process, but you know, we are seeing um, certain morals pushed. Um, you know, I'm just going to say it: transgender community, the yeah. the the pronouns, the mm-hmm. the you know, all that stuff. It's being pushed under the the science, or abortion is the science, right? Even though it's completely against the science. Yeah. Um, all that stuff's being pushed by the government, yep. um, and it's a theocracy. Mm-hmm. It, that's all it is. 
right? And uh, you it's know, a religious worldview because what people seem they constantly get away from the scientific method, and it's like, guys, as soon as what you're talking about is not testable, demonstrable, yeah. replicatable, and disprovable. There has to be a way to disprove it. Otherwise, it falls outside of the scientific method. At that point, it's it it's uh, trolls and fairies and unicorns because you are now in a fairy tale. And, you and have you have left science and you are in religion. That's and that's what you're in. That's what I want to make clear is the scientific community has my full support so long as they're follow, following the scientific method. Absolutely. And, and like uh, for me, I got the vaccine. I have full faith in the vaccine. I'm fine mm -hmm. with it. Um, I, I believe most of the, the, the peer reviewed data that's out there about COVID-19, I, I, I'm on board with all of it. I don't believe when they say, well, the best thing we should do for a 10 year old that plays with trucks and mm -hmm. girl a uh, 10 year old girl that plays with trucks is to mutilate her oh yeah i don't think i don't i don't think that's the best thing for them yeah so wait you're saying that children who aren't even allowed to decide whether they can use nicotine or not they shouldn't be allowed to change their uh their gender and have surgeries and drugs that they have to be on for the rest of their life you're saying that we shouldn't let them make those decisions? I, I think as a parent, you should definitely not be letting them make, make that decision, yeah. right? And actually, that gets back to that, should government step in here? Mm -hmm. right? Should I mean, should the government say, yeah, there's too many parents that are ill-informed, and we should say that we, they shouldn't let them mutilate their kids, or should they be allowed to? Sure. And really, what I think it comes down to is we have to decide and draw a line and say there is a point at which – kids can make these decisions or they can make all the decisions. So are we removing um, the authority that the parents have? Okay. And we're saying, because we do know that parents of children who don't want them to take drugs and have their gender changed are being forced out by the government because the kids decide that they want to do it. Yep. And the parents are being told, you don't have the right to talk to your kid and reason with them or just flat out forbid them. So we either have to decide, do the parents have the authority or not? And then number two, we have to decide when does a child get to be an adult and make all the decisions for themselves. Yeah. And we, we have to go one way or another with it. We either have to say kids get to make all the decisions that they want, or um, we agree that, you know, there's a point at which we don't trust kids to make a decision. I don't trust my kids to make a lot of decisions. Uh, they would never brush their teeth or put on deodorant if I didn't yeah. make them do it. Okay. And these are things that I know are good for their teeth. So that's why we force them to do that. They have to eat vegetables. We don't just sit down a pile, you know, a big bowl of granulated sugar for breakfast every morning. So <clears throat> um, I don't trust my kids to make good decisions. There's a point at which they're going to be on their own. And I know they're going to do it and I'm putting in the time and energy, but which way do you lean on that? I, so for, here's my thing again, mm -hmm. you know, I, um, I, I kind of go back to that helmet theory, mm -hmm. right? Um, the power that I give the government to tell parents that believe in this stuff mm -hmm. to, if, if I give the government the power to stop them, mm -hmm. that's the same power that they're going to use to force parents to trans and trans their kids. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, uh, you know, that, that's me, like, uh, that's where I pause and I'm like, ah, man. Okay. So what if these parents Mm -hmm. negligently they start mutilating their kids from a young age yeah. and, and they get older and like all of a sudden we see all like they either die due to suicide oh, or you yeah. know something else like that the parents are then legally 
responsible for that right mm -hmm. and and you know you could say that the kid can pursue civil action against their own parents mm -hmm. um you can you can if it resulted in a death then you can call it child endangerment you know as long as you can say a reasonable person would have felt that that those actions would have been you know bad yeah right? then then you can make that argument but that's also where we get into cultural norms so um my thing is is the only reason why i think that we are seeing the prevalence of it and right now is because this theory has been given the power of credibility by the government mm -hmm. by and if maybe not directly by the government by government funded institutions government sponsored institutions and that is what annoys me the most is um people that don't have moral code have, they they believe in government right they don't believe in god they believe in government and their god the government is telling them that transitioning your kids is a good idea mm-hmm Mm. Okay, we can go into a whole nother <laughs> Sorry, yeah. hour on that one. Okay, so let me let me get back to Christianity and American politics, and let me talk about uh, one gentleman, Alexei de Tocqueville. Who, nah, de Tocqueville. <clears throat> yep, <clears throat> I pronounce it differently yeah. every time I pronounce his name. <laughs> and sometimes I find myself doing it with a French accent, which really drives me nuts that I do that. Yeah. I don't, know. I don't even know. Okay. <clears throat> So he said, and for for those that don't know, he was a gentleman that came over to the States. I think it was in like 1810 or 12 or 13 or something like that. And uh, he was a Frenchman and he went back and wrote a book called uh, Democracy in America. Yep. And he, he said, on my arrival in the United States, the religious aspect of the country was the first thing that struck my attention. And the longer I stayed there, the more I perceived the great political consequences resulting from the new state of things. He said, religion in America takes no direct part in the government of society, but it must be regarded as the first of their political institutions. I do not know whether all Americans have a sincere faith in their religion, for who can search the human heart? But I am certain that they hold it to be indispensable to the maintenance of Republican institutions. This opinion is not peculiar to a class of citizens or to a party, but it belongs to the whole nation and to every rank of society. So when he was explaining coming to America, he didn't say that this religion was driving the government. He said he was amazed at how many people knew about their religion yeah. and how it affected society and what you ready for this this one's going to sting some christians i think christians want the government to force people to obey their religious moral code because they are too lazy to get out there and do the job that jesus gave us which is to um, make disciples of all men. And that's what I was saying before, right? Don't be a lazy Christian, yep. right? And um, you're absolutely right. I think, you know, what's important for us to recognize is the government can't do everything. In fact, it shouldn't do everything. Mm -hmm. um, and that's part of the reason why it's a mess. Um, and it's also important to recognize that God, our, our religious institutions, our moral institutions, whatever that might be for you, again, I'm going to say you should probably pursue Christian Christianity, mm -hmm. um, but your moral institution is extremely important, more important probably than the government, because that's going to dictate how you enjoy your life. Mm -hmm. That's going to dictate how you raise your kids. Um, so yeah, I, I, I agree, kind of, because what he's talking about there is that 
Christianity is really it, it plays a huge role here. It's yeah. it's almost it's a running it's, this society. It's running the society. It's running their culture. But it's, but not, it's not the running government. the government. Yeah, you got it. And that's exactly what we should be. Absolutely. And if the government was weak enough, if the government was weak to the point that it should be, this would all be a non-issue. Yeah. Exactly. We wouldn't even be talking about this. Exactly. And honestly, I, you could sub in some of this, like what, whole two hours or mm -hmm. whatever we've been at. You could sum that whole thing with just and just that is that that um, our our religion, Christianity, mm -hmm. should rule society, society, not the government. Yep. Yep. Okay, folks, I'm going to go ahead and just pull the plug on this thing. It's been almost two hours. So, uh, Robert, thank you very, yeah. very much for joining us. I'm Absolutely. sure we can do this again and talk about another subject. Maybe we have you on talk about the Second Amendment because I know that that's going to be an easy one for us. All day. Okay. <laughs> and um, for everyone at home, uh, if you are listening to us on a podcast, you can follow us or watch us live every Sunday night, 7 p.m. Mountain Time, 8 p.m. Central on our Facebook page and our youtube channel just search bible thumper podcast and you can find us also on apple google spotify stitcher blueberry tune in radio uh every single place you can look up a podcast so please uh like download subscribe and share these podcasts around it helps us out a whole bunch uh thank you everybody for uh joining us and have a good week and we will talk to you uh, next Sunday night, 7 p.m. Mountain Time.